What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mongols Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm Justin, not Mike. Uh, and with me tonight is Josh, Kevin, and Liz. Mike is getting the night off, I guess. Uh, so you get me, but that's okay. Your Pittsburgh Riverhounds are, got six points from two group games, keeping two clean sheets and getting their number of league games and clean sheets back to an even 50%. Yes, I did the homework last week. Let's go. Everything was just falling into place. Funky Azil cuts inside. With this Juan Bellardi. Oh, so terrific on the Steven Dos Santos from James. It's Mertz. Yes. yes. Oh, brilliant. What's up, Kevin, Josh, Liz? How are you guys doing? I don't want to go first. You guys go first. <laughs> but you already went first. Okay, whatever. Uh, doing good. Doing good. It's a weird week with this. I'm not. Tuesday games are just so weird. It doesn't feel right at all. They They're mess, worse than Wednesday games. They mess everything up for sure. What about the Friday games though? That's okay. I'm okay with Friday games. I can start drinking yeah. early. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a good start to the weekend. The Tuesday games are yeah. just like, wait, we're not halfway through the week yet. Yeah doesn't feel right kev how about you how's your weekend oh my gosh what did i do this weekend oh yeah this this is this my last weekend of uh like freedom i took uh i took last week off from work and just sat around the house because what else can you do um and uh no it was good yeah i just you know I, I i didn't do anything so it was good nice liz i have to ask so so Obviously, I talked to Laura Ellen on the preview show a couple weeks ago. You guys have been doing soccer better, but no full 90 this year. So what are we doing yeah. with all the stickers? You just get everybody like three next year? No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to try and I'm just going to cost twice as many people on the field is how it's going to work. So instead of like a four to five minute show, you're going to get like a seven minute show and by the end, people are going to be exhausted, like, let us off the field, please. We just, we need to go. <laughs> the security Trendy. guys will be like, all right, guys, you got to quit with the full 90. You got to go. That'll be the end of every show, just me and security. So. <laughs> <laughs> Competing with Bob Lilly, who can uh, hold everyone on the field the longest. <laughs> That's good. You know, it, it is what it is. Well, like I said in the intro, uh, the Riverhounds got two clean sheets, two wins, two, six goals. Uh, yeah, you know what that means. Yeah, one, two. Oh, there's two All of them. Right. Feels good. It was good to hear yours, Liz. But I have to admit, Josh is just really good at that. I don't, I don't know what he does. The sound is just crisp and clean as crap. I don't. <laughs> it's I mean, a lot of practice. Yeah, practice. <laughs> <laughs> over the over the last two years, anyway. Yeah. yeah, exactly what I meant. Just just from the show. <laughs> That's it. That's the only practice I ever do. Uh... Cool. Well, yeah, that, the, the hounds keep getting worse, but you still sound good with the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Uh, right. So Friday night, we have two two weird games. You know, Friday night and Tuesday night. Uh, Friday night, hounds went up to Hartford, easily sort of handled the athletic, got three points, three goals. Uh, yeah. I mean, any kind of main takeaways? I mean, I think there was kind of a lot happening in this game actually, but. Any main takeaways for you guys? It was just a really good game. Like, at the beginning of the year, remember how we said, oh, we think we're good because we had, like, a bunch of points or a bunch of goals? Um, I think that this game really showed that 
they're good. Like, these touches were nice, the passes were nice, the completions, the communication. It was fun to watch this this game unfold. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was our most complete performance of the season. Um, I remember thinking back when we beat Louisville 3-1 um, and, and thinking, like, yeah, they're a great team. We're away from home, but it, the performance didn't always match the result. I think in in some of our games, some some of our games they did, and we deserved uh, you know the point you know the goal gap that we would get in, in the wins. This one, yeah, everything came together. Uh, it could have been more. Um, I remember thinking watching the game, both of these games, to be honest, uh, like it's it's impossible to call out everyone who deserves to be called out because I, I there was everyone had good games there there wasn't a single person that i think fell short um i mean it, the the plaudits I, I think naturally go to ryan james and they and they should but i couldn't help it i was like jordan dover might be ed- edging him in this game um i'm what i think he set up both of ryan james's goals um and was just incredible on the right uh you know created some chances had a few chances of his own um so in a weird way I, I I wanted to give like man of the match to Jordan Dover but uh yeah I mean Ryan James sh- should probably get it for scoring two <laughs> goals from left wing back <laughs> but uh but yeah it was it was a really really solid performance and it, in a game that was being built up right I mean these are like tied at the top of the top of our group um you know the announcers kept saying like this is a big match if there ever is one you know on paper this this is a big match and um and we talked about it leading up in the game you know i think the team needed something to kind of get them going they needed they needed an occasion they needed a platform they needed a spotlight to i think kind of spur that i don't know i I didn't want to call it complacency before but um yeah and they came through with it it was it was great great game yeah, it's 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 kind of interesting because I was building this game up in my in my mind as well because you know we've been struggling a little bit with teams outside of our group and I was figuring like this would be the one game inside of our group or the the one opponent inside of our group that could actually you know compete maybe and like kind of make it a little bit more interesting but it didn't feel that way it felt like this was a really not an easy game for us to win but it definitely felt like we were the better team the whole time which makes me wonder about this this group if it's you know a little bit disingenuous uh the fact that you know we we have such an easy group and hartford was the only thing that made me question maybe it's not an easy group but mm, it's a pretty easy group yeah for sure i mean i think it's i think it's hard because we were kind of on a string there of playing playing two teams and it's like it's hard to especially this year with them not having access to the MLS players. Like it's hard to kind of, yeah, judge the performance against those teams. So you, you have to kind of go to a Hartford game and go, okay, like, what are we? Um, And so I did think we made quite a statement, you know, I think it's good to kind of get off on the right foot against Hartford, you know, our other two games against them are at home. So that's nice, but it's just nice to be able to go there and get a win um, and kind of set ourselves up for maybe an easier rest of the season. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but maybe an easier rest of the season. So a couple, couple notes, and then we can get into like some specific takeaways. I mean, Ryan James, obviously with the brace, you talked about that. Named Player of the Week this week from USL um, for that performance. Um, Danny Griffin added a goal kind of off of a corner rebound set piece, you know, play. Uh, it was a nice goal, kind of sliding it through everybody and then off the keeper and in. Um, so we'll take that. 
like like you said, I think this game is a lot about Jordan Dover, Ryan James, and what they were becoming, and kind of they almost became the de facto leaders on the field um, once Kenny went off with the injury that I guess Coach is describing kind of as a quad injury um, on Monday. He didn't know a whole lot about it. I have not heard really any updates on that. So those are kind of some specifics. Any like more kind of specific takeaways that you kind of thought through through the game? I mean, it was great to see them not fall apart when Kenny went down and you knew that it could have been a serious injury. Like, that can be distracting for a number of reasons. And you can be worried about, you know, how physical is this game going to get? And I do think it was a physical game for everybody. So the fact that they, you know, pulled together, stayed together, we got some new leadership and, you know, they just, they ran the field and they did what they needed to do to make that game happen. Um, it was really encouraging. And the re- since the result you know, panned out, it gives them a great step to go forward and say, yeah, we are a team that gets better as we play. And we are a Bob Lilly team that at the end of the season, we're a powerhouse and they're, they're showing their powerhouse abilities. Yeah. I mean, two really good points there. I, I mean, not how the team responded to Forbes going down, not only that, but I mean, it was so early in the game, right? Yeah. I mean, like it, it, this wasn't like Kenny going down in the 70th minute. It was, and, and a, a point that I wanted to make, like, huge hats off to what so Kenny goes off and I think what it was Griffin Mertz and I think Velarde was Velarde has a tendency to be more of a like clearly defined attacking midfielder whereas I think Mertz and Griffin over the previous games have been more kind of like general midfielders like true midfielders I think in that game Velarde uh dropped back into like a three-man midfield they're all really young and so this is a big game. Midfield's hard to play in this system. And they all did it for, you know, the entire game. They did a really good job with that. Um, and, yeah, Liz, like you said, yeah, the better. I mean, yeah, we're getting better as the season goes on. I, had, I think for me we're hitting, we're hitting the heights that we haven't seen. Um, and we're hitting heights to the point where I'm extremely comfortable. Like, I, for me, first is kind of locked up at this point. Um, and I guess we can get we can talk about that later, especially in the context of the Loudon game. Um, but uh, this is a very complete. You know, we're not relying on Nico Brett goals, right? We're not relying on single person. Just I'm going to take the ball and run past three people and score. You know, we're creating chances. It's it's team it's team play. It's team goals. And yeah, it was. I I I, I mean, the Loudon game was nice, but I, the Hartford game was one of my favorite games of the season. Yeah, and it definitely felt like, at least, you know, that first 10 minutes, like, maybe this wouldn't be our game. With Canardo Forbes going down with the yellow for uh, Gomez right there at the beginning, it's like, oh, no, okay, is this, are we okay? And then suddenly, boom, 11th minute, you get the uh, goal from James. It's like, okay, I feel a lot better now. And then from there on out, it was just a fun game. (laughs) Yeah, and I... I like what you said, Kev, about about Velarde, Mertz, and and Griffin. I think even kind of you know kind of that we got the goal, so we got in the lead pretty soon after Kenny went down, and then you know nine minutes later or something we get another one, so we're up two nothing. That kind of for for seventy minutes of the game allows them to kind of figure their way through the game. Like they don't have to like oh no it's zero zero we got to keep the clean sheet or we got to go forward and get a goal. It's like, no, no, we're up to nothing. Let's figure out how we play this position. And then, you know, especially in the second half, let's kind of dominate the game. Um, and I think that that's kind of what happened. Um, and so I really like that because I think that gave the three of them even a lot of confidence going into, you know, Tuesday's game. 
Yeah, I mean, and especially when you have... It sounds crazy to say, but, I mean, in their current form, Ryan James and Jordan Dover are running games, like, from from wingback. Like, they're they're creating the most chances... Um, they're they're getting into scoring opportunities themselves. So yeah, as a midfielder, when you're looking ahead of you, and you know have generally at least two clearly identified like forwards um, on the field in front of you, and Dover and and James going up, you know you can you can really pick your moments and say you know I don't need to make this late run now. I can I can stay here and and kind of tidy up the play. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was really mature performances from from three young guys and for James to have the first touches that he does like those two goals came off of first touches it's insane like if you see even the narrowest of spaces and you you toss it to him right now it feels like he can just put it in the net he doesn't need to settle it he doesn't need like he is aware of not only where the ball is coming from but any space in front of him and that is unique and dangerous yeah and I think the thing with the two of them over and James is they're keeping the other teams outside backs or wing backs pinned back because you can't you can't go up the field on them because they'll they'll cover back you know they'll make sure they get back to cover you um and if not they have a third center back who's you know who's able to slide out and cover you anyway but then they're gonna push all the way up into the box like they're not gonna stop at midfield or stop you know shortly across midfield they're gonna be in the box kind of on you the whole time so it doesn't really allow you to really get up the field at all as an outside back from the other team. So I think that's really good. Speaking of these, like, I don't know, like kind of organizational discussions, is it just me or it, I totally could just not be remembering this correctly, but has Lily been yelling less? I don't know. <laughs> I thought maybe this game, no. Uh, the, okay. The, the Loudon game. I suspected that the mic wasn't near his, you know, area. I'm like, I assume I that's he's what still it is. yelling, but I, yeah. I think maybe the mic just isn't as close to him or something like that. Because yeah, this game, even watching the replays, actually right before coming on, I uh, checked out the replays for Hartford just to make sure I remember what was, you know, that game. And mm-hmm. even during the slow mo, like you know, this is the goal. You can hear him in the background, <laughs> <laughs> like just like completely yelling right after James's goal, the first goal. Like, okay, well, this is what you have to do. And blah blah blah. And it's like, <laughs> all right, okay, they just scored, and you're like screaming at them right now. <laughs> well, then I guess I'm I'm correlating things that aren't actually there because I thought these two games in particular. I don't know. I so much of my memories of of Hound's performances are of just people kind of being on islands so when they defend they're defending kind of one-on-one or uh, you know when they're trying to make a pass you know no one's around them and they have to hit 20 yard balls instead of 10 yard balls um and this game time after time after time both of these games you know their recent form as a whole yeah we're moving more as a unit i mean you know a, a clear imagery in my head of you know the team going down the sideline and three players collapse on him um, and we win the, and we win the ball back and same thing with passing doesn't it, it feels like especially earlier in the season we were just forced to go long to dos Santos's chest or head or something and now we have more options we're, we're, we're pushing it wide to to James and Dover and, and we're playing through the midfield and I think it's because yeah I, I, I don't know I'm reading into this it might not be there but it seems like they're they're getting it more and they're playing more as, as a unit and that's that's great. 
I think you're right. And I think it's changing how Lily is yelling. So, like, the messages are shorter. So it may feel like he's yelling less. I don't think that he actually is. But his messages are, like, a little bit shorter. And I also feel that he's not telling them what position to be in. I think they're in their position. So he's saying, this is who's coming up behind you. This is how they're trying to counteract you. And I don't know if it's because he wants them to change their tactics a little bit or if he's just being like, hey, FYI. So I do think he's changing what he's yelling at the players. He's still yelling forward a lot. Get forward, get forward. <laughs> yeah. Push, push, press, press. <laughs> forward. We don't have yeah. four goals per game, so he's <laughs> entitled to that. That's the standard, guys. Yeah. I don't... I don't know if you guys were talking. I don't know if you guys caught the Monday press conference. How he said in the Monday press conference, he was talking about the, uh, you know, the social justice things or the or the, you know, the the center circle um, moments. And he was talking about that. And he was just talking about that whole movement and different things. And he's like, we don't have a whole lot of yellers and screamers on the team. Well, except for me. Uh, <laughs> so at least he acknowledges, you know, what he what he does. So. Yeah, he knows about it. he he knows he's a meme at this point. I feel like he's, <laughs> he he realizes it. He's like, "Yep, that's me. That's that's what I do." He knows all his foibles and he's like, "Yeah. As long as like it's not hurting the club, it's not hurting the players, I think he's he's fine with continuing to have his his personality." Yeah. I guess that's another thing to talk about. We hadn't, I didn't put that in the notes and and kind of forgot that this this game was the first game that happened because we've seen so many um, different ways of kind of acknowledging the police brutality and, and the stuff that's happening in the world. But I guess Friday night was the first time that kind of all four games that were happening did this moment where at the seven-minute mark, they paused the game, all went out to the center circle, were there for a minute and 46, and then um, left it at 8.46 or, or 49, something like that. So um, I thought that was a really cool moment. I thought that was different. I thought it was creative. Um you know, I, I think in the midst of everything that was happening last week with the NBA and MLS and MLB canceling games and all this kind of stuff, um, I thought that was a unique way to kind of acknowledge what was happening without, you know, uh, these guys like losing paychecks or whatever. Because, you know, at, at this level, they can't really afford to lose a paycheck where the NBA players could just be like, no, nah, we're not playing. Yeah, and I also like because like doing stuff before the game, it's really easy for broadcasts to just cut that off. And, like, you, you you drop in right when they're done doing whatever they're doing. So having it at the seventh minute really makes it so you, you can't. Like, as a you know broadcast, they can't just be like, and going away now. It's like, no, this is the middle of the game. You have to actually pay attention to this. And that, that makes it feel a lot better, in my opinion, as far as getting awareness out there. And it seems yeah. like they've given Mike Watts or De- Devin Kerr, whoever went through it like a, a script sort of to read yes. through of like what was happening and why they were doing it and i thought that was that was a nice touch as well yeah they can keep doing this every season i don't care like <laughs> i i don't want the conversations to start to stop i don't want the representation to stop um i don't want people to stop challenging me so i think this is really important and i'm glad that they found something that worked for them and something that uh that represented you know, their need to get out more, uh, you know, behind this. Yeah, Lily talked about that a little bit at the press conference, and just, I appreciated him and the way he talked about it, and just saying, like, you know, how much he supports the players, and that they had, had conversations as a team, you know, both before they left for, for Hartford, and then once they were there on Friday, and, and different things, so there was just a lot of conversation around it, so I definitely appreciated, appreciated that, so... Any last thoughts kind of about the Hartford game? We can kind of move on to, to Tuesday night's game if you want, but any last thoughts about last night's game? 
I will say, uh, Josh mentioned uh, Gomez and Net. Uh, the moment when he gets his yellow card, I it was I it was a fascinating thing for me because I was like, ah, oh, he screwed himself, and he's like, no, he pulled himself out of it. Like I thought for sure, like the way he was approaching it, he, you know, like he didn't time it well, and then he committed himself, and then he's like, I'm mm, this is outside the box, I can get away with this, and he takes the the, the heavy touch, it pushes him away. It wasn't going to be a red card, it wasn't going to be a goal scoring opportunity. How he got out of that without getting a red card and staying on the field. True, a true piece of, like, you know, experience shining through there. Uh, I was I was impressed how, how Gomez handled that moment. He's yeah. lucky he didn't have last night's refs. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, speaking of last night, in sort of a weird game, uh, the Hounds took down Loudon. Uh, in what I think Mark Goodman called before the game the midweekiest of midweek games, uh, which I thought even once the game was played, it was the midweekiest of midweek games. So um, three penalties in the first 20 minutes of the game. Forrest and Velarde converted theirs in the first 10 minutes. Uh, Green from Loudoun United earned one later, and then Vitiello saved uh, a wall shot. So... Uh, and then uh, Albert Dequa added a goal late in the game to um, to make it three nothing. Uh, kind of overview thoughts from from Tuesday night's game. Man, that was a lot of stopping. I, I felt like it, it was soft penalties. Was least, it? I was going to ask. Like, yes. what, what is everyone's yeah. thoughts around oh, yeah. penalties? They, I, I would say the uh, the handball inside uh, the box was definitely real it wasn't like you know his hand was like way up and he actually like went for the ball with his hand so that that's a that's a good penalty right there that made sense to me i understood why that was a penalty the first penalty though not so much uh their penalty not so much (laughs) so you know at least we both got a soft penalty at least it wasn't one-sided there i thought the first pen was a pen really i don't know yeah i look i mean this is my interpretation of it all but like even if you don't mean it and you still foul someone, it's still foul. Like, I don't I don't care. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, Forrest got his foot in front of it. And the guy followed through. And ca- I've seen those penalties been been given a lot. And so, to me, it wasn't a surprise. And, you know, I don't know. I, I thought it was fair. I thought it was a really good piece of play by Mark Forrest. I mean, it's really easy at that point to be like, I'm not going to get the ball. Like, and I'm not going to close it down. Um, but, you know, for his big frame um <laughs> to be able to just get in there and, and and stick a foot in front of it and and win the pen and then convert convert the pen too would have never thought he would have taken the penalty um but uh you know he does a does a decent job gets the goal um but yeah no i thought it was a pen i didn't think i don't know i thought their loudness pen was i agree it was soft there it, jamie vardy does this thing where he'll get in the box He'll knock the ball past the defender and then just jump into the defender. Like, oh, he fouled me. Like, no, you just, you jumped into the <laughs> defender. <laughs> and it felt like that's what he was doing there. He knew if he just, if he can just get the ball passed over and if he can just kind of like fall into Dover, it was going to be a pen and that's what it was. I get it. He makes contact with it. Dover doesn't get the ball. Um, so it's probably a pen, but to me, it's just like, I, I get it. Yeah, I think those, for me, it's like one of those, if he had gone around, if the ball had gone around the left side of Dover, and then he had tried to, like, dive around the right side like that, like, that, no, that's not a pen, you're you're trying to get a call then. 
I think because he he nutmegged over and then kind of tripped over Dover is he is he kept running straight to the ball. That's yeah. where you like call it, and and it's a hard call. I mean, it's a, it's a foul anywhere else on the field almost all the time. So it's like, why is it not a pen then? You know, so yeah, it's a hard call to make. Meh. They're both Meh. soft. <laughs> Meh. Let them play contact sport. But nah, I mean, with that said, I mean you can't really complain about a you know the legend getting a goal. So that's, <laughs> that's fine by me. Mark Force finally getting on. You know, Second his years. career. Second of his career. You know. Yeah. Not, know. Maybe not as important as the first one of his career. But, yeah. Uh, was still a good solid goal. Yeah. Yeah. I thought both pens were decent. I mean, I thought Forrest's was a little bit better. I thought that was one of the better, actually one of the better pens that I've seen a Hounds player take in a while. Like, I feel like, you know, I, I feel like we either get saved or, or the keeper kind of like Velarda is the keeper dives the wrong way. And then we just kind of easily rolled in something like that. So I thought he kind of picked a spot and slammed it there as hard as he could and, and got the goal. So I, and then, and then green sort or, um, Walsh sort of tried the same thing, but Vitiello had him read the whole way, so pretty good. I am continually impressed by Vitiello. Um, I th- yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Like after watching these last two games, I I I I'm comfortable with either one of them being in there, yeah. which is really nice to see. See, so it's a weird place for us to be in, feeling confident with both of our top two goalkeepers and no injuries yet, right? No injuries to our goalkeeper. <laughs> You guys are risking so many things. We're easily top of the, of the group. We don't have any goalkeeper injuries. Man, you, talk, you all talk a lot. <laughs> it's probably a bad thing. You know, I was I was actually thinking about it, it as we were kind of talking about it on the Slack last, you know, during the game about our keepers and how good they are and how both of them are decently good and, and all this kind of stuff. I was thinking, like, I know that last year we sort of blamed – I guess blamed, but like put the credit on the defense for how good Kyle Morton was. Yeah. And I think he's kind of proving us wrong this year that it's like, no, 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 that wasn't all just the defense. Like that was me too. Like I'm a decent keeper. So it's an interesting I mean, sort of thing. new homework though. Like go back. How many saves did he have to make? Right. Like, sure. I, it was the defense. Like we, we parked the bus. Like we were back there and we were, a solid wall. We're the steel sure. wall, guys. <laughs> yeah, I will say this year it does not feel like we have such a solid defense as we did last year. It is a lot of different personnel. And, yeah. I mean, they're, they're good. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, like, I am seeing the keepers actually doing more than what I saw last year. Yeah, um, for sure. And, I mean, you know, saving a penalty right there, that, that's, that's a pretty good mark on you, you know, your uh, I think, I th- sheet there. I think we're playing differently, though. Like, I... True, true. True. T- t- to me, it was really evident in these games. We we had a level of control over the game that I'm not used to with the Hounds. Um, we seemed so much more comfortable just moving the ball around, cycling around, waiting for our opportunities. Um, and I think because of that, yeah, last year we... This could be kind of looking, you know, like a false memory looking back on history and imposing my own bias or whatever. But it last year it did feel like... Yeah, we defended numbers and then rely on Nico Brett and win one no games or two no games. Um, this year it's very different. You know, we we go to four at the back, and I was gonna say, I mean, like, you're right. I I think our defense was okay today. Like Loudon had some chances, and and Vitiello had to come up big on a few of them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. 
I, I'm, I, I am directionless now. I started talking. I don't know where I'm finishing. <laughs> we're playing but I, differently. We're playing differently now. We're playing. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We're playing differently. And I, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's refreshing. And I, I think it, it makes us a better team. And I think it suits the players that we have, too. I think this is the same conversation that we've had every year. And especially, like, last year when someone asked, you know, did is this league passing Lily by? And the answer is no. Like he continues to evolve, and he becomes he's becoming more aggressive and more forward thinking as far as wanting you know for goals. Like he, it's not all about his clean sheet anymore. Does he want a clean sheet? Absolutely, but he wants that in connection with a certain number of goals, and he expects his forwards to do more. I think he's doing more to develop those players, and I think he's certainly doing more to develop midfielders than I mean a lot of other teams probably think about making them very diverse and allowing him to change up his. Uh, his formation on the field which is always something that he's done but especially here like it's not just does he have the depth but where is he going to put those players and what are they going to be expected to do and they're expected to do it well and this year they're really doing it it's a really hard thing to do too like especially yeah for young players like the constantly chop and change systems um it is really impressive i will say i, I think the i think the 4231 change in this game if, what was the game where I think it was it was Velarde like in the number ten, and it was two forwards ahead of him, and we played. It was like a five-two-one-two. Um, I I don't I think that game I think that system is kind of similar to a four-two-three-one because you still had Velarde in the ten and two. Well, no, then never mind. Forget everything. <laughs> I'm on a roll, guys. This is great. I mean, I'm gonna... <laughs> are you talking about the formation that the Hounds put out or the ones that USL puts out because it's very true. different yeah. pictures? <laughs> That's that's my bailout. Thanks, Lou. <laughs> also, this time, like they didn't even pretend that they knew what was going on in the midfield. There was like two midfielders for sure, and then on either wing, they're like, we don't know something's happening, but they're there. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah I'm, I mean, and they called it out. They were like, we we're oh, trying yeah. to figure out what was going to happen, but it's just like, well, why don't you just? And then they, I think he said midway through the game, they're like, I guess we, the biggest mistake we should have made about their formation was not just trusting the lineup that the Hounds put on Twitter. It's like, well. Why wouldn't you just do that? <laughs> well, know? to be fair, that's not always right either. I mean, yeah. like, it's it's sure. pretty much, you know, haphazard when it comes to that. I feel like Lily just tells him who's going to be playing, and then everyone else has to guess what <laughs> formation he's going to be thrown out there. So yeah, it's it's. I don't I don't want to blame the announcers or the media guy. I I think Lily just doesn't give anything away. I mean, yeah. you don't want to give your opponent any advantage. <laughs> exactly. So. For sure. I think. I thought, uh, Oh, go ahead, John. I was gonna say, with like even with the the midfielders last night, and, and the announcers talked about it all the time. The the advantage of having three guys like Velarde, you know, Mertz and Griffin, is they can kind of play any position. You know, Griffin can or, or Velarde can slide back if he needs to, but he he's really good going forward. Mertz can go forward if he needs to, but he's really good sliding back. Griffin's a pretty good box to box midfielder, so it's just like. It's really nice to see them kind of interchanging, and when one goes on the press, another one drops back, and and it's really hard. I think it's really hard as an opponent to sense where that pressure is going to come from, whether it's offensively or defensively, because you might have Velarde stepping up to you from right in front of you, but you might have Mertz coming from the side of you if you're not thinking about the fact that he's there. So, it, like whether you're you know playing you know on the offensive side of the ball or defensive side of the ball, it's really hard to know where the pressure is coming from the three of them. And I think that's something that, like, Loudon learned last night for the second half. So the first half, they swarmed so bad. 
And we're constantly just like, oh, there's the ball. There's four of us. There's the ball. Whoop. And so, but when they came out the second half, I think they actually presented a little bit of a challenge. And we got to see, you know, them try and break up some of our passes and actually play, you know, nicer soccer and see, like, how we responded to that and could we keep the clean sheet. I was glad. I mean, as much as I like to, you know, blow someone away and see six or seven goals, it's nice to see how do we respond to pressure and how do we keep the clean sheet and are we able to pull that back because eventually we're going to be in playoffs and we're not going to be playing teams that are playing bumblebee soccer that don't have their MLS side. Like, we're going to have to step up to the plate. Three nil is such a nice psychological victory, right? Because like if you if you get seven nil, a part of you like they were just crap. Like we just like and we were and three nil feels like no, you earned it and you shut them out and it was just a, such a professional performance. I do want I want to really shout out a few players in this in this performance. I mean, Mertz in general, I think is has been immense, and I think it's it's the kind of Ryan James Jordan Dover thing where it's like if you're not getting goals, if you're not getting assists, you it's hard to praise the player, especially in a in a stretch of games where everyone's playing really well. I mean, what Mertz has started, I think, every game, a lot of games in the midfield, who very energetic, and he is his level hasn't dropped. If anything, it's gotten better. It's gotten more mature. It's gotten more sophisticated, and he's he's a he's a really good midfielder at this point, um, playing really well. Um, so and he doesn't get. I don't think he gets an assist in either of these games but I think he plays really well um and the other two people want to shout out look I'll be honest I did not expect Mark Forrest to to play well um in 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 the in the Hartford game my mind is lost on me did he did he start the Loudon game he started the Loudon game did not so did not play in the Hartford game okay that's what it is he played the last like eight minutes of the Hartford game that's what it was okay so for for the Loudon game um I yeah I didn't think I, I don't know. I'm not sold on Mark Forrest. I thought he played really well. Um, there were a few moments where it wasn't just... I think in the past, it's it's unfair because he'll usually come on at, with eight minutes to go in a game, and it's like, okay, go show what you can do. And that's a hard thing to do to kind of get up to the speed with such a short amount of time. Um, and in a game where we're either chasing or defending and you don't really get in, get, get in the flow of the game... He had his chance to do it, and I thought he played really well. It was, he wasn't just a target man up front. Um, there was really intelligent balls. I think there was one where it's before Dikwa got his goal, um, but someone played it up, and and Forrest just chested it back perfectly to Dikwa, and he fired it over the over the over the bar. And he had some really intelligent play. Um, I was impressed. And then lastly, uh, Fernandez. I appreciate how direct Fernandez is. Um, I think Mike was talking about we don't have a lot of players that that'll just you know, kind of put their head down and go. And I think a lot of the time is good. Um, sometimes players like that can kind of put everyone else at risk. Um, but Fernandez is, is direct, and I think, in a refreshing way. There are a few times where, you know, he just knocked the ball past and dropped a shoulder and, and created some chances from it. Um, should have scored. My I, that my favorite moment out of all these games when Do- Dover turned into, like, Messi for a second. And just like and went by like four people and just dinked a perfect juicy yeah. cross, and Fernandez just heads it wide. Um, that it's criminal that Fernandez didn't score that because just for Dover's sake. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was. But yeah, he had a good game too. Yeah, I thought Fernandez played really well. I I was enjoying. I think that um, going from two years ago with Francois to last year and then coming into this year, I think. Fernandez is not Cristiano Francois. Don't get me wrong, but 
I think he can provide that same sort of just I'm I'm gonna go at you so defend me you know like and it's just like I think that's you know it, it puts defenders under pressure it makes them think about what they're doing and I think that was that was really good um I another player that I just in both games I thought played well for getting some minutes I thought Patrick Bunk Anderson coming into this lineup is is good I mean I thought both games he played decently well in the time that he got I you know, can't wait to see him over over full ninety. Um, once he kind of gets more into the into the lineup, and then, I mean, I guess we have to talk about Dequa. I mean, I for forty five minutes coming off of uh, being stuck in in Cameroon for several months, like not bad, not yeah. bad at all. Showed up to play. I mean, you know, you can't ask for much more. First game out there you know i was kind of expecting it kind of be like oh he doesn't really know the team that well probably and he can't really you know you can't expect much from him right out of the gates and boom scores so it's like oh okay cool all right i'm in <laughs> i mean you can expect him to settle the ball first and then get three goals instead of one <laughs> i will throw that out there <laughs> just a little all bit. right all right i'm just saying first game all right <laughs> i know he's excited but like one two touches like he had all the space he could have made he could have made a couple more uh hit the back of the net yeah, I mean, he and I guess I guess he and Mensa both had one-on-one opportunities with the keeper that uh, you know, I think Lefebvre at 6-9 got a piece of of Dequas that just went outside the post and probably if he didn't get a touch on it would have would have gone inside the post. And then I think Mensa just was unsure of where he wanted to put the ball and ended up just not chipping it high enough over over Lefebvre. But it's hard. How do you when get you're... over Lefebvre? Like, I, I, don't know. Know. <laughs> I know. What kind of statement is that? That's not where you should be shooting it. <laughs> if there, if there was one fact I remember from this game, it's that Lefebvre is six nine because they said it all the time. We have to yeah. say it at least fifty more times to hit how many times we heard it in that broadcast. Yeah, it was insane. I don't think he he ever said Pasher, so I, I was just happy about that. No, <laughs> no, they did at mid time, mid uh, at halftime because I was oh, I listening for it, and when he said it. And I was like, oh, we made it to halftime without talking about Tyler Pasher. And then you have to mention <laughs> it at halftime. <laughs> to be fair, he was talking about it in the context of uh, Junior Flemings and his, like, uh, his, you know, leading the Golden Boot race and the Tyler Pasher's right behind him. So he didn't talk about it in the context of the Hounds. But I was still like, come on. <laughs> come on. Uh, no. I'm I'm very intrigued though what Dick can bring to the team yeah. because yeah I mean in a in a conversation I think we've had so far of the kind of I don't know the team emerging as the season goes on like this kind of cohesive team play this working as a unit I mean you know Dick's goal comes from yeah you know a long ball beats his defender and just goes one on one and slots it so kind of the you know it's it's a goal that I can't recall happening a lot this season. Um, and so in that, in that sense, it could be quite refreshing. And I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'll be really interesting to see how he slots in now, um, you know, and how this affects, I mean, what DeSantos comes on and plays in the midfield um, for large portions of the game. Um, I don't know if I'd like that uh, going forward kind of consistently, but, uh, but yeah, all of a sudden, I don't know. I, we talked about depth early on and, uh, I don't know. The depth conversation's changing a little bit. Um, I would. I'm still a little worried about. Well, I don't know where I'm worried, but for, forward and defense feels quite strong right now. Yeah. Another. Yeah, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Liz. 
I mean, we've talked about all the people who can deliver a ball to someone moving forward and the options you have with people moving forward. Even Dos Santos playing a little bit midfield, I'm okay with. He's a big boy. He can handle it. He can draw those fouls. Like, he knows how to use his body so well to, like, control part of that game. And if you have delivery options and so many players who can deliver, like, I feel like we have three or four players who we feel very comfortable delivering a ball, crossing a ball. And then we have three or four people that were like, oh, yeah, they can get on the end of that. They can slot it in. I I can't imagine, like, I feel like I'm living in a fantasy world right now. That's not the hounds that I ever expected to be talking <laughs> about as far as, like, you have both you have both components and you have them in in such numbers. It's just, I, it, it could be really great. One of the plays that even sort of defines that for me, and and I just thinking about just misses Kevin was sometime in the first half, uh, Mertz and Tommy V played a perfect little one v one, like one you know one in touch and go at the top of the box. Mertz gets back on the ball, crosses it to Velarde. Velarde just barely loses it, and then Mensa just skims the crossbar off the shot. And I was yeah. like, that's that's all three phases of the field. Like, I don't know why Tommy V was up there at that point in time. I have no <laughs> idea what was happening before that. But the fact that they just played that little touch and go and then, you know, got it to Velarde, and then Velarde just kind of lost it, but lost it right to Mensa, and then Mensa just skims the crossbar. It was like, oh, that would have been a perfect... If that had gotten finished, that would have been... Well, it's, so it's a great point because I feel like historically, yeah, all we needed, like in, in build-up play, all we needed to happen was one thing go wrong and everything collapses. Whereas this is a, that's a perfect example of, you know, things are going well, build-up play is happening, and then Velarde miscontrols it. But it's fine because, you know, Menz is right there. He picks up the pieces and it just, you know, the seas open up for him. In a way, I mean, he's on his weaker foot and it, it was a hard shot. I'm not saying it wasn't, but... Uh, and the, oh, that's my other fit. Some like I love uh, when the camera is perfectly behind the shot, so you can see it just yeah. like going. <laughs> oh, so satisfying! Yeah. Not much. Do you ever mention great camera work in a USL? Game? <laughs> yeah, I so, know, right? You know, shout out for yeah. that one shot. <laughs> yeah. uh, camera works always better when it's not at a uh, football field or a baseball stadium. Oh, yeah, gosh, for sure, for sure. My last point just about both these games, and I think it's just because these games are coming to such quick because I am ready for Matt Geica back in the box. I yes, mean, like, please. Oh, my <laughs> word. Like, Devon Kerr and Mike Watts are fine. I think they're good. I think I, I've enjoyed them. But they call the game like they're calling an ESPN2 game. So it's like the only two fan bases watching this game last night were like Riverhounds fans. A lot. Like, there's nobody else watching this game. It's I mean, there might be a few USL fanatics who are watching this game. But they're calling it like it's on national TV, giving all these kind of random stats and USL inside jokes and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, nobody cares about what's Justin, happening. No- you, you dress for the job you want. You announce it's- the job you want. <laughs> sure, sure. This is where soccer's Whatever. going. Come on. I get it, but I'm ready back. And I'm ready for Matt Geica and, and Gina yes. Paul to be back in the, the booth for us. Absolutely. I, I, I probably didn't need the, like, 10 15 minutes of FIFA talk about you know what their favorite players are the scores of the players and how they you know push B too fast like I, I didn't really need that part of the conversation and god bless him for bringing up the penguins but I don't follow hockey and it got the discord totally off track and I had to listen to hockey and read hockey and I'm out I mean, that was awful 
<laughs> did they also did they also do uh, the Friday night game against Hartford? Uh, yes. De- Devin Kerr has been on almost every broadcast of yeah. ours this season, so I, I don't know if he's like sort of say, northeast. I don't know if they're like assigned to our group or what is happening, but I don't want to rag on them too much. I mean, they did call out our podcast, which is they did. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so I I was more just saying I like having local announcers more than national oh, sure. announcers. It's not it's not a dig at them all that much, but. I like having. I actually don't mind it that much. I like their uh, camaraderie, their banter. Like it's not, there's not these huge awkward silences that sometimes when we're watching other games, it's just like dead silence because these two announcers don't know how to talk to each other. I was like, this is awkward. I feel really bad for both of you. (laughs) But I mean, Matt, Paul, and Gene are just oh man, they're such a good. Oh my gosh, because Matt, Matt has like the structure, and then Paul and Gene, they're just. They're all different enough, where they all contribute. Oh, it's so good. It, it's very good, yeah. <laughs> if you want to hear Geica still, uh, he's been doing a great job on the Steel Army Discord, coming in 15 minutes before the game, doing 15 minutes little, uh, you know, kind of pregame show, and then during halftime he'll come on and do another 15 minutes, uh, and it's been great. So, yeah. Y- you want a little taste of that, check out the Steel Army Discord. There's there also go. Pittsburgh Soccer Now. They do an after show as well True. that gets posted there and on YouTube. So you can still, you can still yeah. listen to them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, any last thoughts about those two games, the weekend that was? I mean, it was fun. It was it a was lot fun. of fun. Like Six goals, zero against us, two games. That's That's the dream. All right. T- tons <laughs> of rotation, like yeah. two different goalkeepers, different, you know, Back five to a back four with different people and each of those defenses. Yeah, different personnel coming in. I mean, it went about as perfectly as it can go. Yeah, yeah. Lily talked about that on Monday. I thought, and and I thought what was interesting, just the idea of, you know, a couple our first our first eight eight game or, or three games in eight days. We won the first one, then lost the la- the second two. The next one we won the first one went one one and one that week, and this in Monday he talked about you know we won the first one it'd be nice to get the second one and then put ourselves in position to get the third one, but just saying over over the course of the season it, we've shown that we can manage those eight games or, or three games in eight days better you know and I, I thought that was an interesting point that he was making as far as just what we're able to do and what we're able to do over the weekend and and hopefully what we'll be able to continue into Saturday. Yeah, I mean, that's five goal scorers, six goals in two games. That's that's pretty impressive. For sure. For sure. Uh go ahead. Uh, so I I'm, you might have this on your agenda. I'm notorious for never looking no, at agendas. So I apologize if I'm taking <laughs> your point. Sorry, guys. He's not sorry. But even I was a little bit. <laughs> is is so is that first? Like is that first locked up? For us, do you think this this weekend felt pretty uh, significant? Not mathematically, it's not locked up. I mean, I know still but, possibilities, but it's going to be really hard for Hartford to to do it. Also, please note the literal next line on the agenda is: "Is it still early to talk about the table?" Seriously, I'm so <laughs> literally sorry. the next line. <laughs> well, that's a great outline. Just <laughs> just mute me. Justin. <laughs> You're done. You're done. No more. Um, well, I. I I only left this point last week from the outline that Mike had made of still too early to look at the table. To me, it's not because we only have five yeah. games left. We're like, you know, we're we're in it. So, 
we have five games left. Uh, we're sitting at the top of Group F with 22 points. Hartford is still at 16, uh, but has three games in hand. So they still, even with their games in hand, could catch us. But they still have two games against us. So I think it, it, it kind of evens out. Um, they Two of those games, they were just rescheduled for against Union 2 after Union 2 having some coronavirus issues. Um, one of the things I thought was interesting, just looking at the table, kind of going forward, Hartford has eight games left, and they play those eight games over 29 days, um, kind of from Saturday to the end of the season, uh, two of those against Pittsburgh. Uh, Red Bull Loudon have seven games left over the same 29 days from September to the last game of their season. Union 2 have to play 10 games over the next 31 days. Uh, so, like, a game every three days. Uh, yeah. And we have five games over the next 29 days starting on Saturday. So, we're going to be meeting some tired teams over the next couple weeks. So, I don't know. First, I don't know if that's first wrapped up. I think we got to get hard for one more time or they have to lose another game. Something has to happen with them. But I do think playoffs probably most definitely i mean the red bulls are in third nine points there were 13 points clear the red bulls they do have two games in hand uh if they want to make the playoffs they kind of got to start this weekend with getting a probably a win against us but we'll see um our five games left two hartford um one each of the red bulls union two and loudon and no more midweek games so saturdays from here on out yeah, that feels really significant. Yeah. Like the, the the number of games, I, yeah. Given, I don't know. That that feels pretty significant for me. I, I think that if anything, that's the biggest thing. I mean, forget forget home and away. Forget the opponent that you're playing. Um, to have that many games, to have that advantage, um, yeah, it's it's really important. I do think it makes this Red Bulls game more important than I thought because they're really going to be pushing to try and get the points. And if we let too much fall, then you know, Hartford catches up to us because they're game in hands and we don't have as much control with the two games that we play against them. So it does make this this game on uh, Saturday more interesting to me. And not that I wasn't going to watch, but it, I feel uh, it might be more of a challenge than... Uh, Are we home for, uh, for this game? No. No, on the road. I do think, yeah, and, and the other thing for Red Bull as well is they have two, they have two games against Hartford. So they're seven points behind Hartford. So they have two games left against them. So they can make up a ton of that ground if they can get results against Hartford. But they still have to get results elsewhere to kind of overcome that full deficit. So I do think this game becomes a lot more interesting. So the next game is Red Bull 2, Saturday night, 5 p.m. in New Jersey. Uh, recently, their last couple of results, they lost to Hartford 2-1, to and they beat Loudon 3-2. to Um I don't know. Any thoughts? I mean, we talked about the little the playoff implications of it, but any thoughts kind of about this game and and what what's happening? I mean, we've lost against New York before in this season. Uh, it was in July, so I mean, it was oh, you know a while ago. But it is a situation where I don't want us to you know go in too sure just because of the fact that we have lost against. Granted, we also beat them four one after that in August, so it's. It's kind of a situation where I'm just, you know, I don't want to be too optimistic against New York because New York always has a way of kind of surprising everyone. Out of all the two teams out there, New York is the one that usually is able to pull stuff out. 
Yeah, I thought. I mean, that it's it's like in my mind, it's the Red Bulls that I've seen, and then it's this Red Bulls that I've read about since. Where like it's just on paper, it's not the team that I would have associated with that kind of record. Um, even when we beat them four one, I remember thinking like this is this is weirdly a good bad performance from them. Like I, I didn't think they were awful. They they weren't on their you know on their game that day. Um, but I still thought they were impressive, and and of course I think when we went to, last time we went to New Jersey, it was I thought they played us really well, and I thought it was a really exciting back and forth game. And so yeah, I in my head this is a difficult you know Red Bulls team, but I mean their form doesn't their form since we last saw them doesn't really suggest it. Um, but and then yeah, the the worry always in the back of my mind is it's it's Red Bulls too. I've always counted them out, and they generally prove me wrong. Um, and go on impressive runs. So, um, I mean, it, Justin, I think, yeah, you're probably right with things are different now amid COVID, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to shake that kind of memory of that team. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard, it's hard to play. Uh, I think Red Bull is just, just an interesting team because they have such a, like, they have such a strong identity kind of across the organization, right? And I think, like, even looking, you know, from their academy to, their two team to their one team they're playing the same system i think union two kind of fell apart between the season and and but i i think they're trying to kind of establish that same identity from academy to to pro team and i think it's so it's hard to yeah it's hard to play against it because they do have a strong identity they do kind of know what they're going after and and all of that kind of stuff but i do think it's 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 continually for me just the rest of the season these last five games are just us sort of just proving how good we are you know and can we continue to have these professional you know two nothing three nothing four one kind of performances where we are kind of just burying the teams that we should and and kind of maintaining distance between everybody else i think if we do that easily first place is is right there um and and it's just we just have to figure it out so i think it's 100 percent going to be about composure i mean it's always aggressive in Red Bull Arena for whatever reason. Like, those are very physical games every time that we watch them. And um, I don't expect this to be any different. And maybe it's because they play the same system across the board and they're very confident in what they're doing and where they're supposed to be. Um, so it makes them a little bit more aggressive. But we're going to have to find a way to match that without, you know, getting a bunch of cards or losing our heads um, and without you know, losing that hard-won composure that we showed the past two games where we know how to control the ball and get it to our players, keep it on the ground, um, and get really good crosses. Yeah, they are the only team that has beat us within our group. I mean, all the other times we've lost have been outside this group, so that's the only team that really, I feel like, you know, has challenged us, so we'll, we'll see. Yep, yep, we will see. I think, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. It'll be a fun one. Saturday night, 5 p.m. in New Jersey, not New York. Um, Why would we actually play in the state that we're named after? Uh, (laughs) Got him. Got him. (laughs) Got him. That was low. That's low-hanging fruit. I get it. I still take it every time. You know, problem. That's probably part of it being a Union fan, too. You know, we also hate Red Bull, so it's, it's just a thing. Well, go to mongols.com, click on support the show to become a Patreon follower. 
Weekly reminder, Black Lives Matter. Go get the latest Steel Army shirt. Love Pittsburgh. Hate racism. Black Lives Matter over at SteelArmy.com. Hey, wear your damn mask. Uh, we got you mask. You could have ordered one, but wear them anyway. Uh, and they were made by Roughneck Scarves. Official scarf supply to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team. RoughneckScarves.com. And are you tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique and completely custom kit for that you can help create for your team? Uh, Icarus FC will help do that for you at an affordable price as well. Uh, they do great work. You should go check them out at IcarusFC.com. Also, we're part of the Beautiful Game Network. Uh, lots of content over there. Lots of great stuff happening over there. Tons of new podcasts being added on the regular. So go check us out at BGN.FM. Thanks, everyone, for being with me, for dealing with me as a host. And uh, you get Mike back next week, so it, this is not a, this is not the regular thing. So thanks for being here, and we'll uh, talk to you soon. Cheers. Later. Bye, guys.